Well, good morning. morning. I want to welcome you. And if this is uh, your first time here, normally I have my mic on. No, I just want to say welcome, and I want you to know that we're so glad that that you're here and you've come to worship with us. And uh, man, didn't the kids do a great job? Oh man, that was awesome. And you know what? I look forward to the day when from one end of the platform to the other is just going to be filled with kids, and that's coming. I want to just say to you is that um, I also want to welcome those who are worshiping with us online. But if you're a guest here today, if you would go out to our guest services, we have a gift for you. It's our way of saying thanks for coming and worshiping with us. And uh, this is Holy Week, and so we've got a lot going on this week. The next time we're going to gather is going to be on Thursday for our Monday Thursday service. That's where we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And then on Friday at noon, we're going to have a Good Friday service, a service of darkness. And then we have our Easter services, obviously, next week. So I want to make an announcement to you, and that is is that next week, in between first and second service, we've got food. And it's not any food, it's Easter food. So that means it's extra special. So if you want to come a little bit early, um, we'll have all kinds of goodies for you, and it's just a great time to fellowship and be a part of that day. And I want you to know that next week, this place is going to be filled, not once, not twice, but three times, I'm believing, and we're going to share with people, peaceful, the Easter story. So today, we're bringing our series to an end, Lessons Along the Road, with probably one of the most important lessons that Jesus taught. Now, I don't know about you because the times are different, but when I was growing up, you know what was really popular? Parades. Well, they must be a little popular because KU's having one today, so you know what? They're going to have something to celebrate. But you know what? I remember when I was growing up, if it was Fourth of July or it was Christmas, you know what that meant? That meant a parade. And as kids, we always looked forward to that. That meant that there were going to be clowns. That meant that there were going to be horses pulling trailers. That means that there were going to be floats. There were going to be tractors. There were going to be bands. And there was always that guy who went around on both sides of the street and just passed out tons of candy. That's why I went to parades. But you know what? I remember this about parades is that as the parades became more and more popular, people would try and arrive early to get a good seat. And the way it went was is the kids, along with their moms, would usually sit on the curb, and then the dads and the taller people would stand in the back. But not everybody could make it on time, so it was very common to see kids sitting on top of their dad's shoulders. Now, every parade that we went to had a guest of honor. If it was Disney, it was Mickey Mouse. If it was Christmas, it was Santa Claus. And if it was the 4th of July, they usually had somebody from the armed forces or just the Grand Marshal. But in every one of these parades, the guest of honor always had a special place to sit. Sometimes it was on a sleigh like Santa. Sometimes it would be like Mickey on a float. Or many times they would sit on the back of a car. And as they would parade through, they would be waving and they would smile at everybody. There's a parade going on today on Palm Sunday in Jerusalem. The people have lined the streets. They're throwing down their cloaks and they're waving palm branches and they're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And there's a guest of honor too. His name is Jesus. And he's riding in on a donkey so that everyone can see him. But there's something different about this picture. He's not smiling. Did you hear that? He's not smiling. In fact, 
if you look closely, you can tell that he's probably been crying. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from the book of John, John chapter 12, and I'm going to read verses 12 through 19. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, may I always see Jesus for who he is, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So I want to start off this morning by asking you three questions, okay? And I'm asking you these questions because it's really important that we're all on the same page as we go into Holy Week, okay? Because if not, like the Jews, you'll miss it. The first thing that I want you to know is that what is going on this week this is Passover week, okay? There were three festivals that the Jews needed to make this trip to Jerusalem on, and the Passover was one of them. Now, for some of you that don't know what the Passover was, I want to briefly explain it to you. This goes all the way back to early on when God was taking his people, the Hebrews, out of Egypt. And what he did is he sent these plagues. There were nine of them, and still the Pharaoh would not let God's people go. And so God sent one last plague, and this was the plague, that the first son, the firstborn son of every individual that did not have blood on their doorpost would die. And so what happened was, is all of the Hebrew people, these are God's children, they sacrificed a lamb. Now, there were regulations for this lamb. It had to be a year old, it had to be a male, and it had to be without blemish. They sacrificed this lamb, and then they ate the lamb, and it represented so many things, and we'll get on that on another time. But they would take the blood, and they put the blood on the doorframe of their house. So that night, when the angel of death came in, he passed over every house that had the blood on the doorframe. God told his people, you celebrate this every year being reminded of how you were saved by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. We all on the same page so far? 
This means right, yes, okay? All right, here we go. Here's my first question for you. Do you remember John the Baptist? Remember John the Baptist was the forerunner to Christ, right? John was the one who said, my ministry must decrease so that Jesus' ministry could increase. John the Baptist is in prison right now. He calls a couple of his disciples to him, and this is what he says to them. He says, go find Jesus and ask him a question for me. Here's the question. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, but I'm sure glad that John asked this question, because you know what? Jesus calls John one of the greatest prophets that has ever lived. And John wants to know, Jesus, are you the one that we are supposed to be expecting? And I know there may be some of you in here who are asking the same question. Jesus, are you the one? Are you the one that we've been waiting for? Are you the one that the scriptures talk about? Well, you know what? Jesus gives the answer right away, and here's his answer. So he, we're talking about Jesus, so he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. Then Jesus ordered him. Oops, went too far there. Sorry. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I ask a question, just give me a yes or no answer, right? And Jesus wouldn't do that. He says to John's disciples, here's what I want you to do. You go back and you tell John what you have seen. Why did Jesus do this? Very important for us to understand. Jesus just described for us the characteristics of the Messiah. He gave the answer the way he did, so it wasn't just for those people, but it was for all the world for the rest of time. We now know the characteristics of the Messiah. Now let's take that and let's just push that off to the side here. And here's my second question. My second question is this. I want you to think about some of the people in the Bible who were healed with a miracle from Jesus. After he healed them, what did he tell them not to do? Here's a couple examples of what I mean. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. And then this one here, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. What did Jesus tell the very people that he had just healed? I think about Jairus' daughter. He raised her from the dead, and Jesus says, you can't tell anybody. What? Or you've been blind since birth. You couldn't walk, and Jesus came and healed you, and now he says, "Uh, you can't tell anybody. Why would Jesus say that? Here's the answer. Jesus didn't want his miracles, or as he referred to them as his signs, Jesus didn't want his signs to take away from his message. Now set that over here, and I have one last question to ask you. How many times do you remember 
that Jesus identified himself to somebody else. Maybe a handful of times, right? Here's what I mean. Here's two of them. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Remember what Jesus' response is? You are right, but my father is the one who told you that. And here's another example. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And I want to put this all together for you so then we can start moving down the path. Jesus gives us the characteristics of the Messiah. He reminds the people after they had been healed, don't tell anyone. And it was very few times, less than five times, that Jesus identified his true identity. What you need to understand is that through this point up to Jesus' life, to where we are today on this Palm Sunday, it's almost as if Jesus wore a veil over his ministry. And all I want you to understand is this. Today, on Palm Sunday, my dear friends, everything changes. And it changes dramatically, and it changes quickly. There was a Jewish writer in the first century by the name of Josephus. Some of you may have heard of him before. He was a Jew, but he also had a very good relationship with the Romans. We could talk about him, but we'll talk to do that another day. History tells us that during one of the Passover feasts that he took a census. Now, he didn't take a census of people because there's no way he could stand there and count all the people who were there. So here's what he did. He took a census of the number of lambs that were slaughtered on one particular Passover. Now, here's how he could do that. You see, at that time, you could not bring your own lamb with you. You had to get a lamb from the temple. That's where some of the problems happened. But when he went and found out and did a census, he found out that in this particular year, there were 256,000 lambs that were slaughtered. That's about the lambs, isn't it? You also need to understand that at that time, there had to be a minimum of 10 people per lamb. 256,000 lambs with a minimum of 10 people. What that means is that during this time, Palm Sunday, Passover day, in, in Jerusalem, it is possible that there were more than 2.7 million people. We know what day that this happened on. It happened in April of 32 A.D., now, their calendar was different than ours, but here's the date that you need to be familiar with. It happened on the 10th day of Nisan. Nisan was the name of the month. The 10th day of Nisan should make something jump in your mind because they got that date from all the way back in the Old Testament. Here's what I want you to know about this. On the 10th day of Nisan, that was the day that the people chose the sacrificial lamb that was to be slaughtered for their celebration of Passover. It also happens to be the same day that the Lamb of God 
rides into Jerusalem, the city of destiny. What a coincidence, huh? There was no coincidence there, my friends. The Lord God is sending a message loud and clear. Here he is, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. All right, now, in Jerusalem right now, there's some rumors going around. The Bible, we just read a little bit about it. But you know what the rumors are? The rumors are is that there was a man by the name of Lazarus who most everybody knew because he was pretty famous, and everybody had heard that he had died. But then they heard something else. They heard that he had been raised to, to, to life and that Jesus of Nazareth was one responsible for it. On this day now, there are many who have seen Jesus coming into Jerusalem. He's riding on a donkey. In Jerusalem, the people hear the news that Jesus is coming. They've heard the rumor. They heard that Jesus was responsible, so they rush outside the city gates to catch a glimpse of Jesus. So Jesus is on his way from Bethpage, which is just a mile or two outside of the city, and he's on his way to Jerusalem, and the people go out to see him, to look at him, and want to know what Jesus looks like. All right, now let me describe the scene for you that they would have seen. So Jesus is rising, uh, riding on the colt of a donkey, the Bible tells us. As he was riding, his disciples were alongside of him and behind him. The Bible tells us that the people had lined the streets, and as they had lined the streets, they were throwing their coats on the street so that when Jesus passed by, that the donkey would ride across his coats. But that's not all they were doing. Just like we saw the children doing, they were waving palm branches and they were singing a song, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, there's a lot of symbolism that is going on right here, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. But my dear friends, here's what I want you to understand. Here's the first thing that the God Almighty is telling us. You ready? Here it is. Jesus is making it clear to the world he is the Messiah. Now, did you hear what the Bible says? He is making it clear to the world that means those who were then living then and also to all of us on this day. He was making it clear that he was the Messiah of the world. Now, I hope the question that you ask me is this. So how was he doing that? Thanks for asking. Here's how he was doing it. The crowds were so big, there's no way that Jesus could have shouted above them. So you know what he did? He gave them something they could see. We're visual learners, aren't we? And Jesus couldn't yell to everybody, I'm the Savior of the world, so instead he gave them something to see. What was it? You know what it was? He came riding in on a donkey. Now let me show you something here. 
from Zechariah 9.9 says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You see, everybody would have known this was a fulfillment of the prophecy that the prophet Zechariah had predicted. And they would have known, they should have known that this is indeed the Messiah. But there's something else you need to understand. Jesus is also showing us that he's a particular type of Messiah. He came riding in on a donkey, didn't he? I want you to know that in those days, in the Roman government, whenever they would defeat or conquer a city, the generals would get on a donkey and they would ride through the city. So the Roman government saw that as that Jesus is a conqueror. But that wasn't the way it was in the Jewish history. You see, in the Jewish times, the donkey was a symbol of peace. And so what Jesus is saying to all of the people and all of us, I come as your Messiah, but I come as a Messiah of peace. Now, I want to say something to all of you and everybody who's watching, okay? The symbol for a conqueror in the Jewish day was riding on a horse. And what we all need to know and remember is this. Jesus now comes riding on a donkey as a Messiah of peace, but you need to remember one day he's coming back, and he's coming back as a judge and a conqueror, and that's recorded that he will be on a horse in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. And so right now we have time, but that day is coming, and it's quickly approaching, I believe, I want to go back for just a moment, and I want to ask you the question, do you remember what was the song they were singing? The song that they were singing was, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, here's what I want you to understand about this psalm, because this is where the people got a little confused. First of all, this psalm is called the Song of Psalms, okay? This was a praise psalm. Every Jewish little boy would have known this psalm because it was one of the first psalms that they learned growing up and learning the scriptures. But you need to understand something else about this. These little boys and these parents would have known that this was also referred to as a song of the conqueror. All right. In addition to that, they're waving branches, right? Palm branches. And the palm branch was a national symbol of peace, and it was a sign of the messianic liberator. So here's what the people were believing. This Jesus, Jesus riding in on a donkey is Messiah, and this is our messianic liberator. And the fact that they were shouting the word Hosanna means save us now. So here's what the people are thinking. Here's our Messiah. He's coming in on the donkey. They are shouting to him, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, which identifies him as the messianic liberator. Save us and save us now, the people believed. Our liberator is here, and today is the day he will deliver us from the Roman government. That's what they thought. 
And that's where they blew it. That's where they missed it. You know what they missed? They missed Isaiah 53. You know what they didn't see? The cross. They missed the cross. You see, the people saw Jesus for the Messiah that he refused to be. Do you remember the feeding of the 5,000? Remember this? This means yes, okay? After Jesus had performed that miracle, they picked up 12 baskets of food, right? And do you remember what the people said about him? This dude's our king. We're going to make him our king. And Jesus refused to let that happen. All right, now we're going to bring this to a close, and here's my question for you, the last question I'm going to ask you, okay? Does anybody happen to know where Jesus is going? I mean, he's just not riding on the donkey to go anywhere. No, he's got a place that he's going. Where's he going? Let me tell you this. He's not going to any enrollment government building. So where is he going? Watch. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. Where's Jesus headed, ladies and gentlemen? He's going to church. Now, here's what I need you to hear loud and clear. Jesus didn't have a problem with the Roman government. He had a problem with this church. He had a problem with the religious establishment of that day. And I'm gonna give you three reasons why. But the first thing that I just wanna tell you was is the temple was the belief that the existence of God was in that place. As close as we could have gotten to that presence was a place called the Court of the Gentiles. It was the farthest place from the presence. The women would have, who were Jews would have gotten closer than we did, but we would have been in the Court of Gentiles. That's as close as we could have gotten. And that drove Jesus nuts. Here's why. Well, that's a touchy one. Here we go. Three things that Jesus had a problem with the church. Number one, they were about the outward, and Jesus was about the, the heart. He was about the inward. Oh, man, the Pharisees, they had 610 rules that people had to live by. Even the way you wash your hands, the way you eat your food. You can only walk so many steps on the Sabbath. All of these rules, okay? And Jesus said to me, he said, you guys got it all wrong. You're so concerned about the things that you do. What I'm concerned about is the way you should be. It's not about all of the works that you do for the world to see. It's about what's going on in here. Here's his second problem. They built up barriers and Jesus tore them down. All the rules that they made, they were barriers to the people. Nobody could live up to those rules. Jesus wanted all of those walls torn down because he wanted everybody to have access to him. And here's the last one. They had rules to get to the Father and Jesus, and Jesus said he was the only way to the Father. So I think about those who are in this place right now, and, 
Maybe you have not made that decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, that you've received him for who he is, the savior of the world. And part of Jesus' problem is, is that he probably would say to you, I don't blame you because my church sometimes isn't doing a very good job to help you get to me. And so when the church made all the rules, Jesus said, there's only one rule, and the rule is this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Forget all of those outward signs that the church is telling you need to do. You know how you get to me? You ask me to be the Lord of your life. You receive the gift that I've given you, and you're mine. You're saved. Now, here's what I want you to hear today. If Jesus were to come back right now and just give us a five-minute interview, I think he would say to us the same thing that he said to the leaders of the church back then. He said, you know what? My problem is not with the government in the United States or Ukraine or China or anywhere else. My problem is with my church. Because my church is too worried about all of the rest of the world. In fact, my church spends too much time arguing about governments, and you know what? They look like the rest of the world. We're supposed to look different. Now, here's what I want you to hear loud and clear. Jesus just simply wants us to be because when we are what God has called us to be, everything else is taken care of. You don't believe me? You want me to prove it? Let me prove it to you from God's word about how this works. In that same chapter, in chapter 12, this is what the Pharisees, the leaders of the church said. Listen to these words. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Listen to these words. Look how the whole world has gone after him. You see, that's how we get the attention of the world is we don't act like the world, we act different like the world. Different from the world, excuse me. But that's what God has called me. And if we would just be what God wants us to be, we wouldn't have to deal with the problems that we're having to deal with right now. So how do we do that? Here's how we do it. Take a look at this. Let's read this together, okay? Let's read this together. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. That's how we begin anew. You can look at all of the things that are going on in the world. You can look at all of the things that are happening in education, all of the things that the world is wanting to do. Calm down. Take a deep breath. And let's focus on being what Christ has called us to be and will be the solution to all of those problems that are going on in the world. Let me remind you of this. The world will always look like the world. Don't expect them to look any different. But we, the body of Christ, are to look different by the way we love and by the way we live our lives. And that is what's going to attract the rest of the world to us, that we live what we say we believe. Look at this last verse. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus had just said this to the disciples probably 
hours before we are on this Palm Sunday. And here's what he said to them. He goes, guys, listen, I'm going to be away from you for a little while, but I'll come back. You won't be able to get to me, but I promise you I'm coming back. And he tells them then, he says, you trust in God, trust also in me, and then begins to share something with them that just blows their mind. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. The central community, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back to take you so you can be where I am and you know the way. What's the way? His name is Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's riding into Jerusalem right now, but he's focused. And he's focused for what lies ahead. And to hear the rest of the story, you have to show up Thursday night. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the clear message that you gave to us by sending your son Jesus introducing him to the world as the Lamb of God. I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm so thankful for what he did on my behalf. I'm so thankful that he made it very clear that his problem isn't with the government, the problem's with the church. And Lord, we hear you loud and clear. So help us, Father, today, not to look like the rest of the world, but to look like our brother, our Savior, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.